power's on. Like no, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to be somewhere else, I think, by four o'clock. You guys are keeping me. They're, they're, they're keeping me hopping. I told Jason, I said, man, make sure you schedule a bunch of stuff. If I'm flying all the way out there, don't like think you're I'm coming out to rest me, you know. And I think if you noticed, I don't, preaching the gospel is resting. <laughs> man, I think we left the house at whatever time last, yesterday morning, we got back at 11 and never went back the whole day. We were just on a straight roll. This weekend flew. I can't believe it feels like Michael just picked me up at the airport. And I'm going back there today. So it's been fun. I'll just say that because I don't know if I'm going to see all of you again. Uh, I've been so received in the services. There's such a hunger. There's such a genuine heart to listen and to hear. And I want to commend that. Stay humble. Let's keep growing in the Lord. Let's understand that, that Christianity isn't something we do. It's something we become. It's, it's Christ-likeness. Christianity is Christ-likeness. It's not service to God. Christianity is Christ-likeness. It's not doing something for Him. It's becoming something because of Him. And then, and, then, and then your life will preach the gospel. Your life, your attitude, and everything will speak of who He is and bring glory to His name. It's what Jesus meant when He said, let your light so shine. There's a light in us now. It's Jesus. It's truth. It's selflessness. It's love. There's a light in us. He's a light that shines in darkness. If you don't know Jesus, there's, if you don't know Jesus, you can't even love. Yeah? Like, like, like when I did weddings, I would never marry people that weren't saved because I would just tell them, listen, I have this conviction and I'm sorry, I'm not just here. I'm like, like a rent-a-pastor do a wedding. I never charge a penny for a wedding, you know? And uh, I wouldn't take a thing for a wedding. I never took a penny for a funeral. This isn't a business. It's not a job. It's something we believe and we're here to love people and give them truth in times of need. And, and I would just have to tell them and it was complicated because you can't say, you know, so maybe you just need to get born again. And then they go through the motions of saying a prayer. It's, you know, and, and I actually met with unsaved couples and did marriage counseling, telling them that I wasn't going to be able to marry them, but I would love to counsel them because I couldn't marry them if they weren't in Christ because they had no capacity to love agape. If you don't understand to deny yourself to become a Christian, how can you not live selfish? <laughs> okay, look, let's do it this way. <laughs> I'm just going to I'm just going to paint a picture right now. I'm just going to this is going to nutshell something. I'm going to nutshell what Christianity is, and for some of you it'll be 101, and some of you that have listened to me on YouTube will probably say, "Man, I heard that a lot." I could never hear it enough. Paul said, it's not tedious to write to you the same thing over and over because for you it's a safeguard. Hebrews 2 says, take earnest heed of the things you've heard, lest they slip away. Peter wrote a whole chapter in 2 Peter 1 that's phenomenal. I suggest you read it. It's really amazing. It talks about the exceeding power of God and that through his uh, great and precious promises. And it says that we partake of his divine nature. It doesn't say blessings. He's not talking about full vats of barns. He's talking about getting something from God. Meaning who God is. Partaking of his divine nature. He goes on and talking about adding to our faith and growing in him. And, and having an entranceway into everlasting life. And if we do these things and walk in these things, we'll never stumble. He actually writes that. You can't preach that in the church, but Peter wrote it. 
Because we've left our experience way magnify the grace of God, like way above the grace of God. So we, we actually believe our own track record instead of the power of Holy Spirit. We actually believe the weakness of flesh instead of let the weak say I'm strong and be a new creation. We, 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 I'm not saying you personally. I'm talking at large, the body of Christ. Like the Bible says things that we don't accept a lot of times. And I want you today to be challenged by that and say, you know what? What's it mean to accept new life? What's it mean to put off the old and put on the new? Is that just forget about the bad things I've done and the bad things done against me? Or is that to put off everything that motivated me, my perspective, my, my, my mindsets, my attitudes? Like when I put off things that are old, then everything before he came is a no-no. It's a no good. It's a die. Yeah? Come on. Before Jesus, I woke up and I just was all about me. And I was hoping my day worked out. I was hoping people treated me right. I was hoping things went smooth. And, and now I'm saved. None of that has anything to do with anything. Like, I don't even think about that. Like, what, it doesn't have anything to do with anything. I have never prayed one time about my circumstances being okay. I've never even thought about that. And I'm not going to now. You see what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not a Christian for benefit. I'm not a Christian for blessing. I'm a Christian to walk in the light as he's in the light. I'm not here to get a fair shake. I'm not here for God to fill my baskets and barns. I'm here to be filled with the Spirit of God so I can walk in love and live in truth because that's why he made man. And I'm going to be raw with you and narrow this morning. There's no other reason man's on the earth. The only reason God made man is to be found in his image. That image was lost through sin. Jesus took care of sin to get the image back. And we ought to put it on. Come on. It's just the truth, man. We preach such a beneficial gospel and, and in this country. And we preach a, a gospel that just gives us and gives us and blesses us. So it's possible to be discouraged. I didn't get my fair shake. Why hasn't God answered my prayer? When am I going to get this job? He knows I can't stand working here. How come I didn't get the promotion? Why did he let the boss treat me this way? When is he going to deal with my spouse? Come on. That's, that's a normal mentality in the average Christian. And all of a sudden, how things are going and how things are working out determines how I'm doing and who I am instead of who he is inside of us. I promise you the last reason he died on the cross was to make sure things went the way you were hoping. That, that wasn't even on his mind. And that's become our motive. He did not die on the cross so things were convenient for you. He actually said, if you live righteous and you choose to live that way, you're going to suffer persecution. There's going to be hardships, and you shouldn't think it's strange because everybody on the earth is going through the same thing. So don't get personal with it. Are we okay? I don't know what I'm doing right now, but this thing came on me, and I'm kind of like, it feels sharp. Is it sharp? Is it okay, though? Right? Yeah? Come on. Jesus had an intention for doing what he did. It's radical what he did. Like he died for being perfectly right. <laughs> he didn't come and commit a crime. He, he came and did right. He walked in love. He showed mercy. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He cleansed the lepers. He set men free. They weren't in faith. They didn't even know him. 
He came to his own and his own knew him not. They weren't in faith. Every once in a while he bumped into faith and marveled. But he did it anyway. Why? Because it's who he is. He's love. And I'm just going to just shout this out like I'm just preaching out. I, my Bible's way back there, but it's right here. I promise I got it with me. He, he had to come as a man to fulfill what man failed so that he could pay the price to get man back to the reason he's here in the first place. And somehow we've translated that into him taking care of me instead of him transforming me and making me brand new. Instead of him putting a brand new heart in me, a brand new motive, a brand new reason for being, a brand new why behind my life. Like, what makes you tick? Why do you wake up in the morning? Why do you do what you do? Why do you say what you do? Why do you go where you go? What's motivating your life? He paid a price to put a new thing in you concerning that and have it be totally healthy and bear witness to his name. It's true. And... and and I'm not upset with anybody here, and I don't have any certain preacher in mind, but I know at large in the church what we've preached is messages that bless us and benefit us. And we actually think it's normal to, to be hopeless. We actually think it's normal to be discouraged. We actually believe it's normal to be beat down, can't take much more, need a break, need a breakthrough. No, I'm just being real. Listen, all those things point to us not really understanding what happened and what we're a part of and what we signed up for. You didn't sign up for people to treat you right. You signed up to be like him. Like you didn't sign up for anybody to do anything right for you. God already did that. You can't even say, well, he hasn't been moving. He hasn't been showing me favor. He, I don't even know why I got in that car wreck. I thought he was my protector. And all of a sudden, you reveal you don't even understand covenant. You came in this thing from a wrong road, a wrong angle, a wrong understanding, and it's hurting you. And it's not because you're a hypocrite. It's because you're not understanding. It's not because you're evil. It's because we get deceived. It's amazing what he did on that cross. Like, you know, when somebody does something amazing, it seems hard to receive. This finance thing, you know, it's not that I can't receive. It's just the last thing on my mind, and I see the ugly side of it in ministry, and that's not why I do it, because I'm not trying to fight back. I just, it's just not in my heart. I didn't come here for a penny. It never even dawns on me. And some people have a heart to give. You blessed me. Thank you. That was amazing. And it was difficult. And I looked at him and I said, I need to just say thank you because I never passed this test because it's never on my mind. And it always feels like, well, I don't even want to. Yeah. And then I do injustice to the heart of the giver. I need to just look him in the eye and say, thank you, man. That's incredible. That's your heart. So I tried to pass the test. And you probably came as close as I've ever been to passing that test. It was a struggle, but I probably got a B plus. I'm going to get an A someday. And then some little guy came up and handed me two dollars. He said, "I just want to give this to you." I said, "Ah!" And I got probably got a an F minus on that one. And then a lady came up and said, "I just want to give it," and I probably got a D. It's because it's the last thing on my mind. The last thing on my mind. It's a small thing to fly out here. He died on a cross when I was guilty. 
I didn't fly out here with expectations and, 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 and contracts and agreements behind it. I didn't fly out here conditionally. I just flew out here because I accepted an invite and I wanted to come. I could, I could be in a lot of other places today. I chose to be here. One of my buddies did the math. I went to 2.3% of my invites this year. You're 2.3% of my invites. Come on, I'm here because I want to be. You're not a massive crowd. I didn't ask if it's going to be. It's irrelevant. There's people here. People matter. The other week, I went to a little recovery center. There was like 24 people in the recovery center. But I felt like I was to go and be personal and look them in the eyes and speak into their lives. I could have been into a lot of places that week. I had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of invites. And some pastors say we run about 3,000 on a Sunday. We run about 1,500. Man, we're up to about 6,000. You don't have to put that on. That's not going to entice me. See, here's the deal. If I was here for an offering... I wouldn't be here. I'd be in a bigger church. <laughs> or I'd ask the pastor the average income of his people. <laughs> and then I'd choose where to go. Come on. You're here because you believe what you're saying and you see what people are worth to him. And you get it. You just get it. Every life matters. Like there's no outcast. There's no low life. There's no by the curbside everybody's worth the blood of Jesus why because everybody can walk in love you might have more talent in this than another you might have gifting that somebody hadn't even thought you might be I can I can barely hold a tune I can't play an instrument but but I can walk in love you might be so prophetic and see right through people. I might not see much. I might just say, wow, the tree's pretty. I don't know. But, but I can love. And that's what he paid for. The same price for every head. You go into Walmart, you got price codes, barcodes, you got price tags. You got, why? Because you have multiple things all over the shelf and they all have different values. You don't go in there and pay 10 bucks for everything. You don't go in there and pay 150 for everything. But I'll tell you what, in the store of humanity, you pay the same price for every head. The only reason the same price is on every head is because every head carries the same value, the same purpose, the same destiny. Oh, you might be a missionary and called to it. You might be a Sunday school teacher and called to it. You might be a pastor. You might itinerate. Man, you might just walk the streets and love on people. You know what? You might just work in a warehouse. You might be a policeman. You, you might just work in an office and just love people along the way. It's all worth the same price because it's all the same value. There's no high life. There's no low life. There's, there's nobody in and nobody out. There's no one more important in the body of Christ than one other person. I promise you, read your Bible. In fact, the parts that seem more insignificant are the parts that have a lot of times greater value that you couldn't even function and be the total representation of Him if you didn't have those parts. You take off a big toe. Some people don't like their big toe. You take off your big toe, you'll probably have to learn how to walk again. You'd probably have to take therapy, lessons, physical therapy. Just take off a big toe. See if it mattered. Oh, I hate this toe. This toe's so ugly. Look how fat it is. Yeah? 
It's significant. It helps you every day. And it's vital to your life. And if you didn't have it, you'd notice real quick. Come on. Man, I'm just here to cheer you on. I know I get a little passionate and I can't help that. I mean... I mean, look at this view. We got people. We got, look at all them kids. Just look at the generation that's following us. That, that actually, as we walk in truth and get this thing down, it becomes something they understand from little up. Like it's love. It's not attitude and rightness. And she said, she said, and get me an attorney, and I got my rights. And it's you guys in your home doing Jesus, not out here doing Jesus in your home doing Jesus. And taking responsibility. And if you cross the line, sit the family down and weep and let them know. And let them see the power of repentance and the humility of heart. And that we're not pursuing perfection as much as purity. And purity will cause us to see him. Yeah? Come on, guys. There ain't, a, there ain't an outcast here unless you cast yourself out. I'm telling you, you're the only one that can be your only enemy, your only worst enemy. The devil doesn't even have the power to keep you from this gospel. Only you. You're the only one that can, can make yourself not believe. And you can blame it on your past. You can blame it on what somebody did. But you're letting that matter more than the truth. And the truth is, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, you carry the same value you've always carried. And love has never failed. And God has never changed his mind or jumped ship. I never heard of a testimony where somebody sincerely came to him and they affronted him and God affronted him and said, oh, you're coming now? Should have came two months ago when I strongly convicted you. I've never heard a testimony like that. Why? His love never fails. How's that work? He sees you for what he created you for. And he paid a price to restore you back to that. And he's in position to woo you and draw you till the day you die to get you home. To get you home. So if you're not living in him, you're not home. And if you're using him to make your life better, you're not home. And if you get discouraged from circumstances, take a deeper look at the motivation of your life. And make sure you're not using God for your sake. He does these things in his nature, guys, but his highest goal is to transform you and make you love. If we miss becoming love, we miss the whole purpose of the cross. And we can do amazing church and fail to be her. Are you all okay? Come on. Not mad at anybody. Cheering you on. Man, he paid a crazy, amazing price. He didn't even try to work a deal. He said, man, it's going to cost me my blood. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Could you imagine Jesus or the Father walking through the earth? I mean, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He's walking the earth with a realtor looking for a home. Realtor says, man, this is high class. This is the Lord. I got to find him the best. He takes him to the biggest mansions, the biggest properties, the biggest castles, the biggest things you could ever find or buy. All of a sudden, he just passes by you when you're at your worst state you've ever been, the place that you would never, ever want to return. And he just passes by and he says, say, sir, I want to live there. And the realtor looks and he don't see what God sees. He sees your state. He sees you and he says, you want to live there? 
What do you mean you want to live there? Oh, I want to live there. Why would you want to live there when you could live here or here here? Oh, because I see what she'll look like when I move in. And he's looking through his realtor book and he says, man, this isn't hold car cash, hold cold hard cash, Lord. She's flesh and blood. If you live in there, you're going to have to pay flesh and blood. Already got that worked out since the foundation of the world. Because I knew her before she was known, saw her before she was seen. I predestined her to be adopted into my family. Price already paid. That's the gospel. So why does he do that? To be sweet? To redeem her purpose. And to redeem her destiny. So that she could stand and walk in his image and shine as a light in the earth. Christ, the seed, reproduced after his own kind. That's why he does it. That's why his love never fails. So on your darkest day, on your darkest day, he never lost sight of what you're created to be and who you're called to be. And that's why even after your darkest day, you still heard convictions and you still heard second guesses and you still heard wooings to change. Come on, when you're lost, it's so frustrating because you wish it would just go away. When you're in rebellion, you hate the fact that you can't not be convicted. (laughs) Who's humble and be honest and tell me you know that that's true what I'm talking about? When you're not walking where you know you're called to walk and you get second-guessing convictions, you're trying to turn it off, but you can't. Isn't that true? Yeah. You know why? Because his love never fails. That's just him going, hey. Love you. Hey. <laughs> and, and if you could turn it off, you would. But his love never fails. It ain't turn it off. You can't make it go away. Ah! He said, Psst. Love you. What's he doing? He's wooing. He's drawing. What's the Bible say? Nobody comes to God unless he's... Drawn by him. So you didn't come on your own initiative. You didn't wake up one day and say, you know what? I think I'm going to just do Jesus, man. (laughs) He's drawing you. Why does he draw you? Because he wants you. What's a conviction mean in your life? He wants you in the family. He wants you in his home. He wants you to be his home. That's what conviction means. That's when you get second guessings, when you get those kind of things in your heart. That's God saying you belong. And some of us say, well, I've been so far off and so far, and I knew better, and I ran so bad, I had to frustrate God. My parents told me all the time I made God mad, and blah, 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 blah. Are you kidding? He's wooing you. He's trying to get you back. Come on, if you're sitting here and you've been tricked like that and you're thinking, well, I'm here because I'm in a home. See, that's why people come to services like this that are living that way because deep in their heart they're crying out, they're desperate, they want to belong, but they've tricked themselves into believing that it's not possible at this point. You know what happens to people? They get so far gone, they say, well, if I'm going, I might as well make it good. They just go into more hell and more sin and more. And then the more they do that, their conscience gets more violated and more condemned and their identity gets more crushed. And then the hole gets so deep, they feel like there ain't no way. To ever get out. And all it takes is saying. Duh. What was I thinking? Where can I go from you? I go into the belly of hell. And you're there. I can go. 
The psalmist says, where do I go? And you're not there. Where can I go to get away? To actually where you can't find me. Ain't that something? Come on, guys. We got the best thing going on the planet. We got the kingdom of God on the earth. Let's not turn this into a bless me Jesus thing. Let's make it be what it's always been. And let's wrap faith around it and run and never look back. If you put your hand to the plow and look back, it says you're not worthy. That means the gospel is a whole lot more than you getting blessings and healing and provision and protection. That means you're plowing something. You're plowing the ground. You're in the world. You're not of the world. The ground's fallow. You need to plow the ground. Your life is like a plow. You're, you're walking through life and it's just turning and churning things up. And then the sower is sowing the word. You're sowing the word. You're plowing. You're sowing. Man, some are reaping. Some are sowing. Some are reaping. But he's causing the increase. We're all rejoicing together. So we really don't know. I don't know if it's important to say, I'm evangelist. I'm a prophet. I'm, a, I'm plowing fallow ground. I, no, I'm walking in love, and I'm probably walking in all those things. Yeah? There's sometimes you're going to reap you didn't even sow. And then, and then we call them evangelists because they reaped, and we put them in a conference to teach because they reaped. And, but they didn't even sow. Why did they reap? Because somebody sowed. Maybe they should be the one in the conference. I don't... Some sow, some water, God calls the increase. We all rejoice together. Sometimes you sow where you didn't even reap. And we just say, yeah, you're amazing, God. This thing is working. I'll tell you what it takes. It takes you and I to understand the simple thing I'm talking about. That you cannot, cannot, I'm going to be dramatic, cannot, cannot, cannot be a Christian for your sake. If you're a Christian for your sake, your Christianity will be dull, up and down, cycling, you have dark seasons. If your Christianity is all about you, you will never say it was really a blessing in the long run because it has nothing to do with Christianity. Christianity is for his great name. It's for his great name. That's why I'm alone praying and don't want to ever give myself to offense. It's for his great name. That's why unforgiveness isn't an option. It's for his great name. That's why I'm going to grow in mercy. It's for his great name. That's why what you see is what you get. It's for his great name. That's why there's no closets or secrets. It's for his great name. And man, if we get that, we're going to walk in something that's always been there. That's been rarely seen. But it's always been there. The privilege to walk in love was there every day you've woke up your whole life. And you're waiting to be loved. And he's waiting for you to love. <laughs> you're waiting to be done right. He's waiting for you to do right. You're waiting for a fair shake. And he's saying, I already gave it to you. When you were yet a sinner, I sent my son to snatch you out of darkness. And translates you into the kingdom of my love. Yeah? This is simple gospel, guys. I came to cheer you on in it. I just flew here. I, I just came to preach the gospel. He gave me like, I'm doing something this afternoon. It's going to be my sixth time in front of folks. It's going to be fun. 
It went so fast, though. But guys, this is all I ever have to say. This stuff right here. Like every time I stand in front of people, I get a, it's like a mandate. I get consumed by it. I'm not, I'm not here to, to get you all. I'm here to say, man, what are we thinking? What are we doing? Why are we living? Who are we now that he came? And we got to get real with that. So we do justice to one another in him and we do justice to his great name. So that actually it's not an embarrassing thing to say you're a Christian. That we don't have to come up with secret agent terms. Yeah. Look, Christian's very simple. They were first named Christians there in Antioch and it just meant simply little Christ-like ones. So they were given the name. Wow, you look like him. You know what that turned into over the generations? Do something for me. Bless me. Find me a great spouse. Give me a better job. and Make sure bad things don't happen. And sometimes the only contact people have with God is the list of the things they need him to do. And they call it prayer. It's communion. It's fellowship with Holy Spirit. You're one with him. Holy Spirit's going to show you those things. And he's not going to speak of his own authority, but only that which he hears. That means he's going to speak to you. Don't get complicated with this. Don't listen to somebody that says God's not speaking today. My goodness, his word's speaking loud. But Jesus said, and he's not a liar. Jesus said, Holy Spirit will speak to you. And he's not going to speak on his own authority and just hold his own conversation. He's going to speak that which he hears. He's going to always be in agreement with the Father. So when he speaks, it's what God's saying. Yeah? So I expect Holy Spirit in my life to speak. Yeah? So if he's going to speak to me and I'm not going to talk back, <laughs> I'd be ignoring him, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> If your spouse always talked to you and you didn't talk back or vice versa, something probably wouldn't work out good in the long run. <laughs> so if he's going to speak to me, I'm real quick to speak to him, man. I probably initiated a lot more. <laughs> I probably tell him he's awesome a lot. That he's the best friend of my life. That the wisdom you possess is beyond measure. And thank you for pouring it into my heart. Keep fashioning me and mold me and shape me into everything Jesus' blood has paid for. I want to be a finished work. In my life, I want to walk in what was possible, God. Not just in signs and wonders and miracles. In nature, in conduct. <laughs> in just life. I want to be what you would be if you walked in my shoes. When pastor was praying for me up there and I had my arm around him and my hand on my chest, you know what I was saying? Sorry, I really didn't listen to you, Bob. Because <laughs> I just knew it was your heart and it would be good. And it was before the Lord. He wasn't, wasn't listening. Here's what I was saying. Lord, this man's giving me a mic in front of his people. It's pretty humbling. I have no need to preach in front of these people. I have a very big need to say what you would say. So if Bob handed you a mic when he was done praying, 
You know this group. You know exactly what you'd say in the few minutes you had. Let that be the only words that come out of my mouth. That's how I prepare. That's what faith I'm in. And then I step up here and things come on me and aggression is through and I'm talking and I'm like, where are we going? What are we doing? Oh, really? Ah, ooh, are you okay? <laughs> hey, ah. <laughs> I'm just trusting it's him. Listen, I don't want to teach myself, and I'm not being mean. Hear me out. Hear my heart. Can you tell I don't have no intention to be mean to anybody? I don't want to teach myself to come to a setting like this and appear to be pursuing something and not deal with my own heart in those things. I don't want to leave here and think nothing of animosity in the car with my family. I don't want to leave here and think nothing of control and manipulation within my family. I want to be a blessing and an asset. I want to be approachable. I want people to feel safe around me. I want people to know him because they've been around me. And I'm telling you, you can let that burn in you through prayer. You can ask Holy Spirit to make that so alive in you. You can ask him to just burn your heart with the passion of walking in love. And help you to see everything that's not that. Yeah? You can pray like that and you can show God your heart. and You can show your own conscience your heart because he knows your heart. But it's just good for you to know you're in that place. Because if you have a clear conscience, if your heart doesn't condemn you, you have confidence before God and you know whatever you're asking, it's happening. Yeah? But if you violate your conscience, there's some Paul wrote about violated your conscience, they shipwrecked their faith. Come on, you can shipwreck your faith and stay a part of the church. You can shipwreck your faith and go to all night worship. You can shipwreck your faith and wave a flag. And you can let the things you do in his name take the place of knowing him and walking clear in him. Don't ever teach yourself religion. Don't ever teach yourself to come to a setting like this and not be sincere with what he's done. That's dangerous. My pastor, he's never liked me saying this, but I still say it. Not to dishonor him because I'm convicted. He's always said, I don't know about that. Because we're always trying to get people to church. We think getting to church is the goal. Oh, they're coming to church. <laughs> Spouse, you know, he's living all. He's like, you don't even know God, but he comes to church. Wife says, at least he's coming to church. And I'm not against positive and speaking life and faith. But we think church is the end result. Hey, if they're coming to church, everything's great. I've always said this, when you go to church, if you've never been to church and you go to church and you start going to church regular, it's the most pivotal, maybe the most dangerous, vulnerable point in your life because you either learn religion or you learn him or you learn some of each and take 20 years to work that out. What I'm saying is it's a very important thing. When you go to church, it's no small decision because you're going to for him, you're saying you're going because you want to be more mindful of God. You want to pay respects to God. You want to, pay. but but when you hear these kind of messages, you, you, it's very. When you come to settings like this and hear these things, it's very pivotal. What might be the most dangerous? I'm not sure Satan cares about us coming to church. I'm not sure in a lot of cases he doesn't inspire it. I've believed this for years. I don't talk about it much, but I've believed it for years. Because he inspires it because he's not threatened by our gatherings. Because what people learn is a form without a life. They learn knowledge without love. So the knowledge puffs them up instead of the love edifying. 
And all of a sudden, the church attendance itself becomes their identity. Instead of Christ in me, the hope of glory. Are you all with me? Come on, this is a serious big deal. It's not over intense. It's not too harsh to talk about. It's not legalism. It's, not, it's just, man, let's be sincere and, and ch- check in on what's making me tick. Why do I go there? Why did I show up this morning? Where's my life with God? What am I really pursuing? And I'm telling you, if your answer isn't to become love and isn't to walk in his image and follow him the best that grace allows, then we're on a wrong journey. I said it yesterday in one of the services. I said the finished work of Christ and the cross of Christ is not paid in full when a man prays a prayer to get his name in a book called Life. The finished work of Christ is paid in full when his nature is transformed back to what God created. When he puts off the old and he puts on the new. That's when the dividends of the investment of the blood of Jesus are paid back full to Almighty God. So he's an amazing investor. He invested the blood of his son Jesus into the earth for the dividends of one seed, many seeds. Many sons after its own kind. Right? So I shared this yesterday. I think it was yesterday here, morning or afternoon. So the glory of his inheritance, it's the hope of his calling, not your calling, the hope of his calling. Right? The glory of it's his exceeding his power in who we believe. It's the glory of his inheritance in the saints. He's not talking about what you get from him. He's talking about what he gets through you being transformed. It's his inheritance. He inherited the redemption of our lives through the blood of Jesus. We're considered and called the purchased possession. He says your life is not your own. Why? You've been bought with a price. What price? Same price. On every head. The blood of Jesus Christ. Come on, that's a big deal. So we either believe that and we begin to submit to that and show our belief by the way we live and respond, or we just get doctrinal and theological and decide, well, I don't know if I totally all believe all that. You know what I think? I believe the scriptures mean, and I believe, look, you can talk the Bible the rest of your life and never know God. The Bible isn't here to be debated. It's the word becoming flesh. It's, It's not to sit over coffee and debate your differences in doctrinal belief. Men have done that for generations. They just sit and they talk about the Bible and they feel spiritual because they're talking about the Bible. But then they're talking down their spouse so they got anger in their heart and frustration with no conviction. Are you guys good? I hope you're good. This is good news. What time I got, man? What, what time? Huh? These, these zealots over here. What time is it? Quarter. You told me 45 minutes, dude. No. No, I, I probably said plenty. Look, look, be honest with me. Be honest with me. No, well, I mean, we could serve up more, but, but be honest with me. Did I say enough this morning for you to act on and go after God and live victorious and leave an impression? Yeah? So do we need to just keep going? Or do we need to become the word we heard? 
You know, there's this lie in churches. People say, well, I want to hear a fresh word. I need some fresh manna. Well, we haven't become the words we've heard. Why do we already always need served up a fresh dish and be entertained by theology and revelation? Wow, I never heard that before. That was a cool message. Did you ever hear that? Did you hear that analogy? And everybody's like, and all of a sudden, it's just a new language we speak instead of a life we live. Come on, I know in my heart, I said plenty today for you to walk out in a sincere conviction and say, you know what? My life is so worth living in him because he sees my life is worth him living in me. And he paid the price necessary to restore the truth to me and put his life back inside of me. Now watch this. Don't compare yourself to me. I'm not judging you when I say this. Do you think I honestly believe that? And go and get caught off guard today and be offended. And I can't believe they did that. And they got irrelevant. You could do me so wrong that I'm not going to flinch. I'm just going to realize you don't see. And I'll probably cry for you, not get angry. In fact, I tell people, if you don't want to change, don't mess with me. Because I'm not going to go to my bedroom and ask God to cut you down like a tree. I'm going to kneel and I'm going to weep when you're not even looking. And I'm going to say, God, if they had any clue who they were, they would never be able to possess and harbor that attitude. If they had any idea who you were in them and who you called them to be, there's no way they could conduct and act out like that. God, would you have mercy on them and cause them to come into what you paid for and what you've purposed in their life? Would you let their heart go free? And I would just weep. And you know what? Heaven would hear. Because I'm not angry. It's compassion. Heaven would hear that prayer. That prayer would just sit right in a bowl of incense at his feet and come up to his ears as a fragrance. And he'd say, man, there's faith working through love. Man, that man was done wrong according to human standards. And all he knows is my love. And all of a sudden, it's like, Jesus, forgive them, Father. They know what they do. It's like, Stephen, don't hold this against them, Lord. And all of a sudden, God will come to that person in the middle of the night, maybe, and just go ahead and get him. <laughs> yeah? That sure beats God. I can't believe they did that. Why do you let them touch your righteous? God, they shouldn't touch the anointed of God. God, cut them down like a tree. God, take off their head. Take off both their hands. <laughs> now you're looking up David's prayers. Cut them down. Chop them up. Slice them. <laughs> You're all done praying. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not the heart of God. You all good? So listen, born again, born again is not a prayer that takes you to heaven. And then you make sure you plug into a word preaching church. Born again is putting off the life you've lived, the mentality and motives you've had, calling it dead and dying in the likeness of Jesus Christ, you can raise in the newness of life and the glory of his resurrection, and putting on everything that he paid for you to be in him. Born again is born again. It's not a transition of destinies. It's a transformation of life. You're dying to the old so you can live to the new. 
So if new life is coming through Jesus Christ, how can you put new wine into an old wineskin? You have to make the wineskin new so it contains the new wine. So if somebody just told you to get born again in case you die, that's not born again. I mean, you can be. God can work. God's merciful. I know people that came in that way and and they love the Lord. I'm not saying you're not saved. But you won't have the conviction when you don't walk in love. You won't have the conviction in the middle of self-centeredness. If all you're doing is praying to benefit from the prayer, then how are you going to walk in the conviction of the truth? You can pray that prayer with someone. He could come out of the bar with a woman on his arm that's not his wife. And you could say, hey, if you, went, you know, don't know where you're going. But when he say, oh, man, it's cool. I prayed that prayer two weeks ago right over on that corner. See, that's not going to happen. You say, oh, God's bigger than that. God's... No, why should I give him a tiny piece of the message to get a result? We don't even talk to him about water baptism anymore on the streets. Because it's not about conversion. It's about saved. Those people that pray prayers with us on the street corner. You ought to ask them to get baptized. You'll find out if they're serious. You say man listen. We got to go find water dude. Because the eunuch. He couldn't wait. It was in the message. He saw water and said Philip look water. What forbids me? He said only that you believe with all your heart. He said I believe. Boom. Acts 8. You read it. It says, it says, he said, who's the prophet talking about, himself or another? And from that point, Philip stepped in and preached unto him Jesus, period. The very next sentence. He preached unto him Jesus, period. And having come to some water. What's that mean? He did not preach Jesus apart from transformation. About putting off the old and putting on the new and getting water baptized. What did Peter say? Men and brethren, what shall we do, man? You're cutting us to the heart. What Repent and be baptized, every one of you. As soon as the Holy Spirit fell in Cornelius' house, they said, whoa, God's getting ahead of himself on this, man. Holy Ghost already come. They're all praying in tongues. They got the same spirit of God. Who can forbid them water that they should be baptized? It's all part of the message. In fact, there's no place in the book of Acts they weren't baptized immediately. Because it was the message. Why? Because baptism represents death, burial, and resurrection. It's not a sentimental moment to take pictures. It's a transformation of life. It's an evidence of conversion. It's, listen... I'm never looking back again. I'm not Lot's wife. I'm his bride. I'm not looking back, man. It's not about when I was touched wrong at age six. It's not about what my daddy did and didn't. It's not about my rough upbringing and childhood. It's not about my unfortunate school life. No, I'm calling it all dead. None of that has anything to do with me. It tried to mar me, identify me, and dictate my heart my whole life. But I don't belong to this, and it don't belong to me. My heart belongs to him. I call it all dead, and I I die in the likeness of his death so I can rise In the newness of life. And it's just like the womb of God. It's like a woman giving birth. She's carrying a baby in a sack of water. And the water breaks and a new life comes forth. God puts us under the water in water baptism. And man when the water breaks a baby comes forth. As if it never lived before. As if it never was before. The Bible says a new creation. A species of being that wasn't before. Yeah? That's literal. 
and you're in Christ Jesus. So make sure you're born again. You got plenty of water around here. (laughs) Make sure you're born again. Make sure you get born again. Not by measuring your life. By measuring what you believe and what you're doing. Because you come by faith and you receive grace. He saves you. You can't save yourself. But man, don't come in with a piece of the gospel. Come in with your life. And let go of the right to be self-centered. Let go of the right to cop an attitude that's unproductive. Let go of the right to agree with anything that's darkness. See, if Jesus said, let your light so shine, then anything that quenches your light, whether it's an attitude, a mindset, or a belief, or a perspective, it's an enemy. If the goal is to shine, anything keeping you from shining is the enemy. And that's not people, it's mentality. If you're called to shine, and keep shining, and pray to God about shining, and ask for wisdom, and what that means, and ask Holy Spirit every day to walk you through life in wisdom, and Fashion your heart in love and cause your eyes to see what's always been there. Are you with me? Is there anybody sitting here? Anybody. You've never been born again. You've never been water baptized. Somebody will take you to water. Will somebody baptize somebody if they get saved today? Who would help baptize? Who would baptize somebody? Who has a pool or something? Who would get somebody to water? You got the ocean right there. Who's, who's never been saved? Is there anybody here you've never, ever been born again and you're saying, you know what? I'm done messing around, man. This is the greatest thing. Like Jesus gave his life so I could have life. I'm going to give my life. I'm not talking about rededication. I'm not talking about backslid. I'm not talking about recommitment. I'm talking about you have never been born again. You've never said, I'm giving you my life. I want to give self-centeredness. I want to give everything. I want you to please receive me and forgive me. And you just come humbly and believe that he has a way greater purpose and plan than anything you've ever pursued. See, a lot of people get so angry and frustrated in life and they don't realize the self-centeredness is the reason they're that way. And then they make everybody else their excuse. But if they'd be looking through God's eyes, they'd be in the position he's in. And they wouldn't be angry and frustrated. The reason I gave that invitation, I feel like there's somebody here. Actually, I hear that there's three people. There's only three people, but three people is amazing. I actually believe there's three people that hear my voice. You have never, ever been born again. You've never been water baptized. And I really think it would be amazing if you run up here and we could just freak out and be happy for you. No, seriously, it's a big deal. Why would you go back to nothing? Why would you go back to what was? Why would you go back and limp along and try to keep making it when you don't even like your life? Come on, or when you're just frustrated with everybody else. Let's call that dead. Let's get a higher vision, man. Born again. Who's not born again? I'm pressing right now a little bit because I, I said there's got to be one or I wouldn't be in And as soon as I said there's got to be one, I heard the number three. So I just know that. I know that stuff. I don't miss that stuff. I've been doing this too long. There's three people here. You've never, ever, ever surrendered your life and given your life and been born again. If the first one comes, I think the other two will just come. Who is it? Come on. Please. Please, please, please. Just come. Yeah, I'm pleading. It's a big deal. You've never been born again. You're hearing my voice. Come. People that know me know I rarely do this, actually. 
I don't even do these altar calls. People say, what do you mean? You're a minister. I don't know. I, I just preach. People get saved when I'm preaching. They email me all the time. I got saved in your service. Didn't even have an altar call. But today I feel like it's important we acknowledge you and somebody rejoices and we hook you up with somebody from here and take you off and get you baptized. You can be glad it ain't me. I'll hold you under till every bubble stops. And I'll just trust life comes into you when we bring you up and I'll know if it doesn't, at least we know you made the right choice and where you're going to end up. But if I baptize you, I want to make sure you're dead. Because honestly, we've made everything else our problem. And me living for me was the biggest problem of my life. Me living for me kept me from loving you. And I always thought if God changed you, life would be better. And it was arrogant and self-righteous and I was deceived. And it wasn't until I died to myself that I actually saw the beauty of who you are. That's why I flew to Santa Barbara. One more chance. I'm just giving one chance. For my three people. And it's not one, it's not two, it's three. Why wouldn't you come? Just come. Real quick, just a couple more seconds. If you don't respond, I'm just going to move on. I'm going to close in prayer. Don't ever think when a minister does this and somebody doesn't respond, it's failure, you're just missing it. No, people know who they are. Hearts are pounding, whatever. There's conviction, the word's planted. Just, Holy Spirit's amazing. But it would be fun. <laughs> you come up here, I would, I would be happy. You're not coming? Nobody? None of my three. You're going to find out one day there was three, I'm telling you. <laughs> I, just, I just know when I hear these things. You coming? Two guys and a girl. It's two guys and a girl. No, I'm not going to. I would never point to you. I'm just telling you, it's two guys and a girl. And two of you are young adults. Two of you are young adults. One's very young, 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 like not, not in their mid-20s. And there's almost a middle-aged guy. There's three of you. I, I see your ages. I Honestly, I promise you. Why wouldn't you come? You coming, man? You coming? Thank you for coming. Thanks, man. Thanks for your courage. Thanks for your boldness. You made me happy, man, because I know this is real. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, I need a young lady. She's just a little younger than him. You're just a little younger than him. You're a lady. I know it. And then there's a guy that's younger than me, but older than him. Come on, just come and join him. You're here. Like, you're here. Like, you knew it was you the whole time I was calling, right? I mean, right? Right? But you didn't come, but I kept asking. God won't let me not keep asking. I need my young lady, please. I feel like I want to cry over her. I need my middle-aged fella. Don't let pride, middle-aged fella, keep you in your seat, please. Be bold and say, you know what? It's time for change. Don't be afraid that you won't get it right. You will be afraid to fail. I'm hearing that. that you're, you're analytical and you're thinking ahead. and You're keeping yourself glued to your chair because you think it ain't going to work for you and you're going to do all this and it's, nothing's going to change. It's not going to happen that way. You coming? You're my guy, man. That's the problem. If it doesn't work. No, no, no. See, but I nailed it, didn't I? In the Holy Ghost. Is that what was holding you back? 
He said, see, that's the problem. If it doesn't work, then. Isn't it amazing how you can hear the Father? Listen, the key to living like that is love. Do I have the right descriptions? Do we got the right ages? Now, why wouldn't my young girl just come up right now and say, well, what am I thinking? Please? Please? Come? See, when I keep saying young girl, I know it's right because it won't change. It doesn't change. When I'm saying it, God's not convicting me. He's not saying, whoa, whoa, Dan, you're too aggressive. Jesus, whoa, back up. You know what I mean? I need my young girl. She's not tiny. How old are you, man? 25. 25. Yeah, you're just a little younger than him. I think you're 20-ish. Maybe 18-ish, 20-ish. You coming? Or are we just going to pray with these guys? Listen, if you don't come, Jesus does love you. And please don't run from this conviction. I'm not saying if you don't come today, you missed your opportunity. I just wanted to celebrate with you and get emotional like these guys like got me on the verge of tears. I just got to hold together because I'm doing this thing. Man, I'm proud of you. That got you up here when I said you're afraid of failing. You knew that was the Lord. But you knew God's calling you, man. Come on, you knew that that was too right on. That's what walked you forward. <laughs> That's why I heard it. Because God knew what it would take to like pat him on the hiney and get him moved. <laughs> What's your names? Ryan? Glenn. Glenn. Ryan and Glenn, stretch your hands to these guys and just begin to pray for them, would you?